Hey everyone, and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are working our way through Star Trek. And we were working our way through the Star Trek, the original series, of course, but we finished that, which takes us out of the movies. So, in a weird case, this is actually going to be a movie review, because we're going to talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture, which has come out in 1979, largely as a reaction to Star Wars doing really well, because they were going to do a TV show. They, were, they actually built sets for a new TV show that was going to have like some of the cast in it. I think. Yeah, it's it's kind of unclear. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a soft reboot. We call it a soft reboot today. It was like a passing of the torch TV show. Uh, and instead, Star Wars became a big hit, and Paramount went, oh, wait a minute. Movies. <laughs> Let's make a movie. <laughs> so here we have this. Robert Wise directed this, and we have Star Trek The Motion Picture. So we're going to talk about this. We'll start spoiler-free. Uh, mm. I think it's worth doing that. We'll start spoiler-free. Uh, and yeah. we'll warn you in the middle uh, about spoilers. Maybe we can get our general thoughts out before we dive into the, the heavy plot details. Yeah, and obviously you'd seen this before, so mm-hmm. you knew what what to expect. I hadn't. I was just familiar with the reputation. What reputation is that? That it's not, not great. You know, that's some a good... people hate it. No, I think that's a good way of putting it. I don't think it has a reputation that it's bad. It's just got a reputation that people don't love it that much. It's, you know, it's kind of like yeah. this week entry before Ratha Khan came in and did it properly. That's kind of what the, the reputation says. Yeah, yeah. I know I know there are some people who really hate it. I've, I've seen that around. Um, yeah, so... But... So, yeah, so the, the movie's really simple, actually. There's a mysterious object with a cloud, you know, surrounding it. You know, this force field... Um, and the movie starts with a couple of Klingons, which, by the way, the Klingons look like Klingons now, just in case you... <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. Oh, Klingons. Klingons, yes. Uh, and do you know what I thought was really funny, actually, is that the entire show, one of the, the little criticisms, not a big deal, but something we brought up from time to time, is that how no matter how many planets we went to on that show, everyone everywhere spoke English without, with, you know, without second thought. Everyone spoke English. In this movie... By the time we hit the ten-minute mark, we hear Klingon speaking in Klingon with subtitles, and we hear Vulcans speak their language with subtitles. And all I could think was, is that Rodden, like he just, like you know, he really wanted to do it. You know, he really, he was like, yeah, the entire show, he it, was determined to get it done. Yeah, no, it really feels like okay, he wasn't allowed to do this on TV. They went, nope, just, yeah. just we're not doing it. Yeah, so I think Roddenberry really wanted to do it that way he wanted to be authentic as best he could and they just told him no on tv so he's like no screw you i'm doing it in the movie his subtitle scenes so that's cool um so yeah so it's basically a mysterious object it's hidden directly for earth the only starship even though starfleet is located at earth the only starship that's in the vicinity that can go to to the thing yeah uh which obviously we'll later find out it's called v'ger but that's like a plot point later on but you know just for the record it's v'ger so we can call it something v'ger's coming towards earth so airprise it's airprise it's been newly built you know it's been retrofitted and it's getting fixed up it's it's not i guess i guess it's not on earth yet so they're like okay we're intercepting because we're the closest rather than launching from earth yes i guess what do you mean yeah, you know, you say no. Starfleet's based on Earth, so you know it can't be the only one nearby. They want to, they want to intercept it as far away from Earth as possible, right? Yeah, but the Enterprise is right next to Earth. Yeah, but maybe it's not like I don't know. It, it's in for retrofitting. Maybe they don't keep the fleet there. 
don't know. I'm no, they don't. I just, I just thought it was strange that Starfleet yeah. Academy and everything's on Earth, but like the only starship. I mean, I guess they're all out somewhere. I guess that's what they're telling me. That's fine. I guess. Yeah, but, exactly. Like, I'm like that's the only one <laughs> that's near Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh. So, but Kirk, Kirk, who's who's been an admiral, he's not been a starship captain. He kind of does a bit of, a bit of politics, bit of politicking in the in Starfleet to get get back onto the ship and take command again, and the old crew get back together for the most part and a, head out. Funny thing about that is, is something in the in the original show that was a, a bit of a running trend is this: the the dick bag admiral comes in and takes command and, and you know, makes <laughs> and all the bad Kirk. decisions, and our crew's like, "God damn it." Yeah. And, and now Kirk is the dickbag admiral. And he does actually make some mistakes because the ship's changed and he doesn't know everything like he used to. Um, yeah. So that's actually kind of a funny observation. Uh, so they go out and eventually Spock, who's not there to begin with, kind of ends up here as well. We'll talk about him more in spoilers, I think. And uh, the crew's together once again. So before we get into any specific things, I guess I'll just ask the question. Connor, did you enjoy, in any capacity, <laughs> Star Trek The Motion Picture? I would say in a relatively significant capacity, yeah. I, I don't really understand why people don't like it that much. Well, you know I like it, so I don't have to tease you with the, the build-up yeah. to my response. But I, I guess I'll do an impression of people who don't like this movie. It's so slow! There's no action! It's so slow! Joe, you know, it's funny? Every, the, the, the scene that everyone complains about is the scene where Scotty's taking Kirk to the Enterprise for the first time. And it's this long scene of them slowly flying around the Enterprise. As, by the way, the best part of this movie is the music. Uh, Goldsmith's score is absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Wrath of Khan, and this is not a comment on the quality of the movie by any means, but Wrath of Khan, when I first watched it, it put me in the wrong place to begin with. It, it, it set me off on the wrong foot. Because my first thought, as soon as the title started in that movie, was like, you're not using that, that theme? Are you kidding me? Are you shitting me? You're abandoning that theme from the last movie? And it's still Goldsmith right in the next one. Uh, no, is it? I, I can't remember. I, I was under the impression he did quite a few of them. Um, from memory. I believe... I, no, I think it was... Um, I would say it was Horner. Really? I thought Horner came in quite a bit later, but maybe I'm misremembering. I want to say Horner, Horn. The, the composer's not in the... the, the no, you have to click page. on all, yeah, all cast and crew. It's all cast and crew, I know, I know. I'm checking, but I think it was Horner. I think it changed. No, fair enough. I didn't realise it was that early. What? But... How, how, how did Control-F compose not... Oh, music. <laughs> yeah, James Horner. Music by James Horner. Oh, fair enough. So Sometimes they say compose by, or they say composer. Yeah. Yeah, IMDb is fickle. Um, oh, to be fair, I think they're matching what the movie says because movies phrase it differently. So I'll blame the movie yeah. industry more than I'll blame IMDb. But um, yeah, that's fair. So yeah, Jim and the music's still good. Don't get me wrong. It's just I love the music in this movie. I, I think it's the star of the show. Oh, it's fantastic. Hell, it starts with an overture. How many big yeah. budget sci-fi movies start with an overture? Not enough. Because <laughs> I, I put it in the Blu-ray, you know, last night to watch this, and I, I put it on, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and the screen is just black, and I'm like, something wrong. It's like, oh, there's an overture. I thought I forgot there was an overture. It threw me because I was watching the Blu-ray on my PC, uh -huh. and I haven't used my Blu-ray, uh, my PC to play Blu-rays in. <laughs> you like thought a year. something was wrong, <laughs> and I was I was using a different software to what I usually do. Yes. Because uh, I used to use you know, Power DVD, and now VLC lets me do it. So I was doing it for the first time. I was like, is this working? 
<laughs> uh, you know, am I supposed to be getting picked? So, you know, I had to click ahead and be like, oh, no, no it's fine. I, I'm getting the, 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 the right thing. Okay, go back, listen to it from the start. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love how unashamedly slow that scene is of Scotty, because you know, like, obviously we'll go back to the other stuff, but Scott is showing off the new baby, so like the, the new Enterprise, right? It's retrofitted, it's all this new Fandles tech. And it's just slow, they're in this small little transport ship, and they're just slowly going up in the camera, and it never cuts ahead. This is the beauty of this scene. It makes you go the entire journey, and it goes all around the Enterprise inside the, 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 the scaffolding, or whatever you want to call it, the, the space rig. And yeah. It turns around really slowly, and there's a point here, because it, it took a long time, because it, it plays up with the music where the main theme kind of kicks in when you see the Enterprise logo, the Starfleet logo, on the, the engine, but then it yeah. keeps coming up, and it's when it turns around, there's a complete 180 to look at the front of the ship, and that's when the brass comes in, it's like, you know, da na 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 Actually, yeah. it's not that theme, that's the main Star Trek theme, you know what I mean, the, the, the main theme of this. Yeah, I, I know what you're on about, yeah. That one, right, and that's playing, and I'm like, okay, that's naturally the ending of this scene. And then they keep flying more, and they go past the, the disc part, and then they go under, and then they go, you know, it takes ages to slot into the actual little compartment. The entire thing is in real time. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have a problem. I think, it's I wonder glorious. if this is coming straight off the original series. This Overall, this movie doesn't feel slow to me. No, I agree with that. Actually, this is the thing. I actually think this is the most authentic Star Trek movie in that it feels like a Star Trek episode. There's a mysterious object out in space. We have to go and see what it is. We've got the dickbag admiral taking command. This is a Star Trek episode with a big budget, and it looks gorgeous. The effects are pretty great, like in terms of like for yeah, the time, I, the practical I think, effects. Uh, a fair critique might be that it over relies on some of the effects. Oh, that's at fair. Points, but. They kind of look great. They uh, they hold up. You know they've got a style to them. Well, Joe, you know it's funny because obviously on the on the original series we were watching the remastered ones with it where they yeah. now obviously it wasn't great CG, but they kind of redid some effects with CG and it wasn't necessarily what the original looked like. Whereas watching this, this felt like a movie from nineteen seventy nine where they had these great models. They had the you know the this nebula effects and all that and if such fantastic color yeah great color and it, it reminds me of that era it, re- it reminds me of space scenes from superman from star wars from alien all the movies of that era and how they looked yeah. in space and maybe this is the the, the nostalgia in me but i kind of love how that stuff looks <laughs> so no i i don't think it like i said there might be an over-reliance on some of the the computer effects but i don't think it looks bad i think it's got a style it's it's like, you know there are, there are effects that have just aged badly because they're trying to be something realistic mm. and it just doesn't look very good anymore. And you know at the time you forgive it because it's like hey that's the best you can do. I think we're talking about the scene I was mentioning where they're flying in the little ship up to the, the Enterprise yeah. and anytime you see the outside of the ship and it's, it's like a video screen inside the window <laughs> of them standing in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks really fake. Um, yeah. But you go with it. That's what but I've... no, but the, there's a lot of other effects in the movie that that they're not trying to do the realistic things so it has a style and it gets away with it hmm. I, I i what i love about this is that it is just a star trek episode with a budget and what that means is that it's a star trek episode with spectacle yes because how, how many times in star trek did it feel like they landed on a planet and it was just like this little you know 10 foot by 10 foot bit of fake land with like a fake mountain <laughs> and you know how many times did it feel like that and then you watch this, and okay, there's not a lot of planet landing, admittedly, but when they do land on V'ger eventually, it's that it feels, even though a lot of it's obviously a map painting and stuff, it feels like this big, expansive thing, and it feels like huge. It does, and, and even just, it, set aside the fact of how good the score is, 
the fact that it has a dedicated score rather than just you know like, like most of the episodes you know okay there's a master the master track sheet and you we pulled from them now, obviously the main theme the you know um uh you know the main thing that plays at the start of star trek and everything right yeah. it's the one that's carried across every show and stuff right the na 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 right not that one. That's the main theme of this. I keep mixing them up and when I try to hum them. The point I'm making is, obviously that's there, right? Because that's always in Star Trek. And they've got the new main theme from this, which was also then used as the main intro for Next Generation. So look forward to that. You get to hear that every episode. Oh, sweet. When we get to Next Gen. Uh, best best decision they ever made at the start of that show was picking that music. Uh, but what I've forgotten about and was surprised at is that there's a point, it's actually just after Spock, I think, arrives on the ship. There's like a dark version of the, the end credits theme from the original series. Mm. It's, it's, it's not this thing because obviously in the original end credits it's like you know it's, it's like a vocal element to it. it was like na 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 right whereas this is like a slow kind of like dun, 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 dun. It's, it's there in the soundtrack and i'm like i forgot they put that in that cue uh, but they did yeah. and they used it in a really sort of little dark way it was kind of like the crew's all together now it's kind of like star trek but there's something kind of off you're right. You know, it's it's another way it feels authentic because there are cues you recognise. Yeah. E- even though you know, I, I say, oh, you know, it's got its its you know original score compared to a lot of the episodes, which are you know recycling a lot of pieces, which is fine. That's uh, TV. Yeah. It, it's yeah, exactly. It's nice that they still acknowledge those pieces. Yeah, because that's very much part of the. Because I I do hate, and that's why when I was mentioning how I was angry at Wrath of Khan for not using the music. I do hate when sequels, especially when I think the previous maybe had a good score, when they just completely abandon any of the motifs, any of the, you know, and it's just a completely new thing. Um, yeah. I like when it evolves. Like, I think one of the great things that Terminator 2 does is that it takes the main theme and does a completely different style of music with it, but it takes it keeps the main theme. It keeps it feeling like it's yeah. part of the same world, but it evolves it. So, you know, the first movie, it's all synth and, well, just all synth, basically. <laughs> it's all synth with some drums. It is. Yeah. And then the second movie... You've got a full orchestra doing it. You've got an orchestra with violins doing the main theme as the, this this ridiculous drum beats going, and it's like no, that's an evolution of the of the music. It is, and then you have things like uh, Marvel movies are a pretty good example, I think, of doing it wrong for the most but part. It's gotten better. Yeah, but it's, it's gotten a lot. Yeah. I'll give them credit. It feels like they've kept the Avengers theme around, and they've let that kind of yeah. grow a little bit. Yeah, like it's gotten better as it's gone on, but like um first captain america movie i really don't like that movie but it has a very distinctive soundtrack mm. uh, probably my favorite thing about that movie honestly is, is the the brass theme and i think they've used it like once since then yeah in all of the sequel movies and it's like okay come on yeah yeah it's rough i mean don't get me wrong, i do like it sometimes when there's a theme that's you associate with the early days of something and then they bring it back there's a great example i love to bring up uh, from the spin-off of the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Uh, but in, in the early days of Angel, there was this like heroic, almost Batman-esque theme that Angel had. And it was in season one, it was used a couple of times in season two, and then it kind of went away. And I kind of missed it, but I kind of got that the show devolved beyond that kind of vigilante thing that it was going for at the start. In the 100th episode in season five, they brought that theme in for this big moment where, you know, he says something badass and then this heroic Batman-esque theme plays from the season one. And it was so, like, nostalgic hitting me with that. In fact, yeah. that show also did it with another theme. There's a death theme that plays in season one. I won't, you know, spoil everything. But there's a death theme in season one and it's about it's, the theme's about sacrifice because someone sacrifices himself. And in the second last episode of the show, 
they bring that theme up again when everyone sort of like opted into a plant that is probably suicidal, but they have to try and save the day. And the emotion that comes with that, because you know what that, th- it was only used once, and because it's scarcely used, there's impact there. So I do appreciate that there is a, an impact to not overusing some themes. But at the same time, with this thing, with Star Trek, you know, we're, we're doing an adventure. It's an adventure yeah. movie. And I think the superheroes fall into this and some other stuff falls into this, where you do want the themes to come back. You want to have that through lane. Sure, evolve them, change them, do different things with them, but have that but familiar thing come them. back. Yeah. yeah. So, but no. So, yeah, like you say, this is an original score. It sounds fantastic. The, the, the Dolby True HD track on the Blu-ray is phenomenal. Mm. Um, I, like, I can't praise it enough. So, that's enough about the music because we just gushed about it for five ten minutes. We we, we did. And <laughs> I was say it was so so good. Yeah, it looks good. Well, the cinematography is really good. The colors good. I think where you need to talk against keeping spoiler free is stuff like the different costumes. How does the ship the ship look? How does the bridge look? That kind of thing. How are you feeling about these things? Um, mixed. I don't hate them. It's just so different, right? But that's I don't, fair. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can go in. Oh, that's bad. I'm just. I got so used to what it was before, and now it's like, okay, this is what it looks like now that I'm not used to it. I get, I but, get why they wanted it to look more like a uniform because before it was just like a top and trousers. Where, so I get that. I do think it's weird though they completely abandoned the color scheme of the outfits. Yeah, like I kind of like uh, like the white on the Admiralty. That's fair, yeah. Because um, I think because next gen has the color scheme and they have those like onesie things which. Yeah, I'll take or leave them. Like I'm not like. Yeah. I I think these suits look better in terms of the actual material. It and... looks like a navy uniform, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, as opposed to a circus uniform or whatever we're going to call next gens onesies, leotards, yeah. whatever. Um, uh, but they look pretty good. They look pretty good. It's just it's very muted. There's a scene here actually where before they leave, Kirk gives a speech to like all the crew of the Enterprise. Which, by the way, again the spectacle and just feeling bigger whenever he gave a speech to the crew in the enterprise in the original show it was a room full of like 12 people this is like a scene with like 200 extras all standing there yeah. like waiting for orders and i'm like damn this, this is big. how you do it um yeah. if i speaking of that even just like being on earth and being at you know when kirk arrives you get that moment where the music comes in as you see his face through the the window and he steps out and you're like wait a minute we're at starfleet we're there like we never went there on the yeah. show that felt yeah, like a big no, deal it was like think- yeah we're here no, you're right. you know, the, the more I'm thinking about it, you know, as we're talking here, I assume the people who don't like this movie are probably people who didn't really watch the original series, they hadn't got as much of an attachment. They, maybe yeah. you know, a lot of them probably came in later. You know, they're, they're, you know, they've seen you know the, all the movies maybe and gone, okay, knowing what they expect from you know blockbuster movies, they're like, okay, this is one of the weakest ones. But yeah. as Star Trek... I don't know. Kind of feels in character. Uh, like I say, every, everything kind of feels authentic to what the show was, and it feels like okay, just a bigger version. And yeah, I mean, I, I think if I'm going to critique it, I would say there is some pacing issues in the middle. I, I think after the, the the Kirk's made a mistake at one point and they're on their way to Viger, I think there's a like a lull of about twenty to thirty minutes where it feels like it's going not in circles, but just it's maybe dragging out the the, the journey a little bit. Yeah, which I mean, you could say keeps it authentic. <laughs> because it's a long journey yeah so it t- takes time yes yeah uh, <laughs> this is true so you know it, it, you know it makes sense uh that's it so i, I think there's critiques to be had they're, they're absolutely yeah is. it's not perfect but i've never gotten the the 
the the hate. I've never I've never gotten why it's seen as this this as this you know step cousin, the stepchild of the of the, the franchise. Yes, you can say it. It's the redheaded stepchild. You you can say that. I don't want. I don't want to say something sensitive in, in your presence. Never usually stops you. <laughs> of course not. Gingers have no souls. Anyway, moving on. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the design. The, 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 Joe, Joe bugged me about the the bridge. Actually, this is just a minor detail. I hated that for some reason Spock Station was now where Ahura used to be, and Ahura was over to the the, the other side. It was like, yeah. why change that? Why? No, yeah, that's fair. Joe was was weird to me. I don't know. Like this is probably just my eyes playing tricks on me, or you know, maybe the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was the ceiling was lower. Like it didn't feel like there was the same amount of height. That's because they actually had a ceiling. No, I know, but <laughs> it, it was it was because uh, I always got a sense of okay, there's this much depth. Even even when they weren't showing us a ceiling, I always sure. got a sense of the room because because of where the you know the lifts were at the back, and you could kind of see the, the the dimensions. I still got a sense of the the height. I, I think I think that's down to because on a TV set they just build the walls high, but no ceiling, so they can shoot lights over it. You know, yeah, to make to make the set easy to to move around and work with. Um, yeah, it's funny I don't though. Think if you, you see the ceiling that much in this, do you? No, not a ton. I, I do feel like uh, it feels more like an actual ship. Though, like, there's a couple of things in the original series where the bridge has like carpet, and I'm like, a bridge in a ship wouldn't have a carpet. <laughs> what? What well, if you wanted to take your shoes off and keep your feet warm? Yeah, because that's a professional <laughs> work environment. <laughs> Look, it's to stop you slipping. Sure. It can't help but feel that like they built the bridge around like just a regular room, as opposed it, to yeah, here, where it, it feels like an actual bridge on a ship of some kind. Um, mm. I don't way I say it's super realistic, because, you know, again, it's a made-up starship. These things don't exist. But it just it feels a bit more like an actual industrial military device, or, you know, whatever. So, you know, this is, this is cool. Um, so, yeah, everyone does look older. Um, obviously, it's it's been about ten, eleven years since the original series went off air, um, which is a big to gap. Joe, jo, what's funny about it is that I feel like these days that gap doesn't feel like anything anymore. But I, I think the cast in this show were all at a kind of middle-aged sort of range when they were doing the show. That the difference feels quite big when you see them in the, in the movie. It's 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 more noticeable with some than others. Yeah, because because like. Because when you think about, like, say, the Marvel movies right now, they've been going for 10 years, and, like, you know, does, does, does Robert Downey Jr. look that much older than he did in Iron Man 1? No, really? no, that's fair. You know? That's fair. I would say, like, like Kirk doesn't look that different, whereas Scotty, you can tell, okay, you know, he was already, you know, probably dyeing his hair quite a lot at the end of the, the original series. Yeah. Just J- to, to keep it that in the in the style. Yeah, J- James Doohan definitely was, was maybe pushing his age a little bit, so he's an older guy, which is fine. Uh, and then Ahura yeah. is kind of like, a bit more like Kirk, she doesn't look like she's aged that much. You know? I, yeah. I think it just depended on what age they were at when they were doing the show, because I, I think pretty much. if they were going from their late 30s to the late 40s, there's probably more of a, a difference in, in how they look. Um, yeah. And it could also be a, t- a testament to how much they were, like you say, hiding their age at the end of the show. If maybe they'll try to hide it a little bit. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Bones's beard, because Bones is actually <laughs> the last of the, the the original crew that we meet, I think, uh, in the show. Uh, yeah, Spock's separate for longer. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's the last one in the ship, but we see him on on Vulcan, because um, he's he's about to complete his ritual to be like a true Vulcan and like shed all 
emotion um, yeah which by the way this is another reason why i think this movie works better if you have seen the show and you're attached to the show because when when spock shows up and he acts cold and he acts like he's not a friend to everyone you know because kirk can because he even bones like oh i'm glad to see you spock and he's just like yes doctor he's, he, yeah yeah he's, he's very cold he's very again he's it feels fr- so different from where we left them they're expecting their old friend to show up and he's acting like he barely knows them and it's not until you know later on that that, that kind of we go through the the arc of that but uh okay we'll talk about that spoilers but so now nah, but bones shows up with a beard bones is pissed that he's been roped into this he's basically being conscripted he, he was on a beach <laughs> because because kirk demanded that he have his crew back um and he, he he's he's pissed about it um but yeah. you know so he, he's fun as per usual uh, you know D- delightfully what's the word grumpy oh yeah oh yeah he's super grumpy um as soon as he agrees to be the doctor again, he starts complaining about all the computers they've put in the med bays. Like, oh, there's a goddamn computer lab in there now. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, props to this movie early on. So this is mild spoiler, but I wouldn't say we're in spoiler territory yet because this is an early on thing. But they actually kill some people because the transporter malfunctions and they don't transport properly. Yeah, that was dark as shit. That was really dark. It's just oh the 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 because because. Uh, Kirk wanted a, a Vulcan on board. He wanted a Vulcan uh, science officer. Science officer. Yeah. And so he's, he's got this Vulcan handpicked, and he, we, meet, we see him briefly at the start. And they're beaming him, and he's like uh, his partner on or whatever. And there's like a, a glitch that, you know, the, the something goes wrong with the transporter. Yeah, because everything's not ready yet. Yeah, and they're, they're trying their best. Because I was actually thinking, why, why are we spending that long trip to get onto the ship and i thought oh it's because the transporters aren't up yet that's why they're having to manually you know fly onto it and i, I think that's the case um because uh, i think it was, it was scotty he's just like hey no, no, no don't do not do turn that on do not beam them up here yeah but it was you know too late yeah um and they try and basically we you know because when kirk calls back down have you got them did they come back okay the guy at the other end's like what came back didn't like uh, didn't live long and I'm like, that is dark. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my critiques of, of, <laughs> of the movie in that it doesn't serve any purpose other than to be like, hey, we can do this now. I don't think that's the purpose. I think I think the purpose is the the slots there for Spock. So there's no issue. Like, you know, Spock is yeah, needed when he shows up. It didn't need to be quite that dark. I think it, to me, it really felt like, hey, we can we look. We're we're a big movie now. Look at what we can get away with. <laughs> That's fair. I, I guess it's to sell the the threat of the ship's not ready because the whole time, like, you know, Scott's not sure. Like, I don't know if we can actually the ship can run at warp speed, sir. Like, I don't know if it's happening. And yeah, uh, I, I guess to sell the threat that this thing may just fall apart when they try and fly out because it's not really ready to go. Now, I, I'm kind of defending it a little bit. I kind of agree with your point, but at the same time, I like the scene in and of itself enough that yeah, I'm, I'm no, not that pissed the thing. about I don't it. hate it when I'm what you know. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a a cool visual you know when they, when they come through and the, the the faces are all kind of melting yeah it's, it's, uh it looks good and I'm, I'm into it but at the same time in my head i'm going but what what's the point of this it's proper body horror is what it is it is it is that's great and we have some new characters worth mentioning we have the captain of the ship who is supposed to be the captain and then because basically kirk tells all his old crew oh yeah i'm captain now i'm running the ship and they're all happy because kirk's back the, you know the captain kirk james t kirk they're the legend and like, oh, have you told uh, Decker yet? The captain? Uh, no, I'm on my way to do that now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to pull him aside, and he's like, hey, 
it's not under your command anymore. It's uh, it's mine. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you dick, Kirk. You've been wanting to be on a starship again ever since you left. Yeah. Uh, I did like though he brought up that. Oh no, the, you know my experience being you know tackling this kind of thing on the five year mission. He mentions that is is why does, I, yeah. I'm better at this. And Decker quite rightly says. Yes, but the ship's changed since then, and I know this ship inside and out. You don't know this yeah. ship. And he goes, you've not been in space for two years. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about this is there actually is points here where Kirk is being kind of selfish, he's being kind of egotistical. And while he is a good captain, he'll make some good calls, he does mess up. You know, there's a big scene coming up, of course, where mm. he does make the wrong call. Decker has to basically force an order change, which Kirk's not happy about at first until Decker explains, no, if, you, if that would went through, you would have completely screwed over our, i think our shields or whatever uh because of the yeah. way that it roots through the phasers or whatever they all you know the way the wiring works basically um and it was like okay so kirk has to eat some humble pie and yeah. that's good that's character development it is yeah it's nice to see him be wrong sometimes it is nice yeah um yeah so we have decker uh who kind of stays behind as the second he also doubles the science officer until kirk pops on board and Spock. then you also have, sorry, Spock, yeah, you know what I meant, <laughs> until Spock pops on board. Um, and then you also have Ilya, who is uh, an alien, who has a relationship history with Decker. And she's there, and she, of course, is a big plot point for later on. Not much of a character in of herself, because she's obviously taken over um, mm. later on, but she she's around too. Um, so, no. That's the that's the that's the gist of it. I will give the spoiler warning so we can talk about yeah. uh, the actual plot now and where it goes. And so so Viger, you know, does kind of that. Over, it's a super powerful entity. It can do anything. Not not super anything, but it 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 takes Ilya and then pops her back onto the ship. And it's like a, she's like a drone speaking for Viger and like under, learning things and keeps referring to the the carbon based life forms as unnecessary components as if it expects everything to just be part of the machine and why why is yeah, there life on here? run itself yeah yeah and of course spock shows up spock is drawn to this thing he's he's drawn to this this viger uh he doesn't know why but he is uh the vulcans think it's his human side that's this sort of bringing this in and of course spock spock kind of has the most important character arc because it kind of relates to viger itself viger is this unfeeling thing that doesn't understand life so yeah. Spock himself, of course, goes through this journey where here by the end of the film he has to accept because there's a great moment later on uh, after everything's went down where he he actually refers to to Kirk as his friend and it's like okay he's he's he, back he's back yeah it's, it, I, that's what made me laugh is the movie actually ends with a banter scene we get the Kirk Spock McCoy scene yeah. at the end it's great isn't it before they fly off yeah it's they, they, they did the formula of the show. Uh, <laughs> impressively they did. so they did. um it's it's funny given that one, one of our critiques of the original series often was that the episodes were too long yeah mm-hmm. and it's like they, they could have been tied up and that's true here as well we mentioned you know the lull in the middle but overall it translates to the longer runtime relatively well given oh, yeah. that this is kind of just an episode uh, i mean yeah i would i would maybe shave like 10 minutes off the middle section a little bit but and get down to just under two hours as opposed to two hours ten. But I do think, and I think the reason for this more than anything is the visual spectacle. They can bask in how wondrous things look. They can let music play as we get a sweeping shot. You couldn't really do that in the show because they didn't have yeah. the impressive things to look at. 
Um, it was all dialogue. Sure. Whereas there's sections of this movie, like, there is dialogue sections, but the sections where we leave the ship and it's like you know Spock going rogue and just flying to. It's, it's almost two thousand and one, uh, a space odyssey yeah. style. Well, that that was one of three scenes I'd seen from this movie that I'd I'd okay. forgotten I'd seen them. Uh, it was it was when I got to it and I was like, holy shit! I watched this movie or parts of this movie in class. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, like, I've seen this. He's fly. He's, he's, he's basically trying to mind mind meld with the yeah with Viger and try to figure out what's going on. And we need to talk about what Viger actually is. Viger is this thing that wants to just gain knowledge, and it's worth mentioning at the time this came out, it was only a few years after Voyager one and two went into space. And I think I, I wonder how how mind blown this was in the theaters. If you were nerdy enough to know about Voyager one and two. If this was like a, I don't, I don't, I don't think you would have needed to be that nerdy at the time. There were quite big, you know, news announcements. I'll take your word for it. I mean, I'm just questioning, like, how much did this mean to your average Joe? How how much did your average Joe go to see a movie? I, I, I think it was still, we're still in that period following the space race where, okay, well, we did the moon, right? Yeah. And it was still very much in the public consciousness. I think most people would have been aware of of what they were. So it turns out that the V'ger is actually a a voyager it's not one of the actual ones that launched it's voyager 6 which is i believe is fictional but you know it's something that launched later and it's the idea is that it went out to gain knowledge and then became sentient and built and grew and is coming back to earth to meet its creator which sounds like someone trying to find god but of course in this yeah. case once we realize what it is it's like wait we are the creator we, we yeah, are and, and we're god <laughs> it doesn't realize that because obviously it thinks it's another machine that's built it and created it yeah because it's confused by the the the, the life and it's yeah. like well what's going on and it all kind of builds up to to decker who, who kind of connects with the the drone version of Ilya to try and like calm her down because there might be some connection there and then he like, agrees to stay back and kind of be absorbed by viger to like so it can understand life better and Basically, they, they, as they point out at the end, they basically created a new life. Like they kind of merge, and it becomes this higher yeah. being almost. It's, it's like it be, it's almost like all all those different like godlike beings that we had in the original series. This is almost the creation of one. It kind of is, yeah. I think it's it's interesting because obviously, uh, you know, Vija was definitely already aware it was a, a sentient AI of of some level. It's kind of, it's kind of established throughout the movie. Yeah. But once you add in Decker, it adds this humanity element that might separate it from a lot of the godlike entities that that's we true. see in the show, where it has that compassion that the others don't. That's very true. Um, and this is this is your big end. And I, I think this is why, for people who don't like this one, they think, oh, there's no action. It's just getting to the thing, and then they get to the thing, and it's just an emotional beat. There's no big shootouts or things. There's no big yeah. villain who we really hate. Um, don't worry, you're getting that in Wrath of Khan. Don't worry. The oh, villain, I know. The villain's okay. coming. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, this 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 is Star Trek. I mean, it feels like the show, so I can't. And being a fan of the show, I enjoyed what you know, not all of it, obviously, because there's some bad episodes. But we, you know, we you've, you've yeah. just worked through all three seasons. Overall, I enjoyed it. This feels like just oh yeah, it's a pretty good episode of the show. Yeah, with just the more spectacle and the fantastic music and uh, yeah, and you know, it's not, I'm never not going to be touched by the bond between the crew members, especially Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Like, but you know, when when Spock like, calls him his friend after he's he's in the med bay after the the whole try to kamikaze into it, like it's hard not to like get you know feel something for that. Um, it's just that it's, it, it's a sh- the show was always about like getting into the unknown and finding something and. 
I'm not against the show, the, 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 you know, Star Trek doing other things, and it often has, and it does, sometimes does them really well. Rata Khan's a classic for a reason. But you shouldn't drag, you know, mark this one down for not being something different. Exactly. So, no, um, I, I greatly approve of the motion picture. I actually think it's very good. I do too. Uh, I have a question. Did you see this originally before you'd seen any of the show? Uh, no, I'd seen maybe the first season. Okay, fair enough. So I, I had I the attachment, wanted... yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, 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 I'm not sure how, how, do, how does things like you know, like Spock play without that attachment already? I, yeah, I don't know. Do, do you get that that impact there? Because you're not expecting the friendship necessarily. So, and then him coming back round to it because they have that whole scene where he calls Spock into his quarters and it's like Spock, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy try to like talk to each other and they're trying to talk. Out what sen- the hell's going on yeah, with Spock? They're trying to talk sense to them and. He's just cold the entire time, and uh, it it kind of hurts. It's like no spark all that progress over the over the show, and um, right. And uh, what I like about it though is it kind of builds more into the next movie as well, because the the friendship's a big part of of, of the next one. Um, mm. So that that'll be exciting to to get to that stuff. But um, no, I, I just I love the spectacle in this one. Yeah, I mean I think it's a little bit over long. Could could do with a, a bit of a trim. Um, it's worth mentioning we watched the theatrical cut for this. I know it's a director's cut. Um, Do you know if there's much difference between them? I'm actually unfamiliar with what the differences are with the director's cut. Fair enough. But we both had the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray has the theatrical cut, so that's what we watched. Um, so I, I think I think the reason why it's not on the Blu-ray is something to do with the uh, the effects and the extra scenes weren't something to do with the rights. Not the rights, the just what they were rendered at. They were rendered at SD because oh, okay. there was never a, a theater release. Yeah, okay. I mean, fair enough. It's weird. I mean, a lot of. I mean, maybe now it would get that because a lot of Blu-rays now, that you know, when especially things like like TV shows that had effects rendered in SD, just release the Blu-ray. It's like, yeah, sorry, effects shots are in you know the lower lower definition, but what can we do? Yeah. Um... Or so sometimes it's the case of oh the, the the footage is still in HD but the effect element is low resolution itself yeah kind of thing, um but you know it's just it's what it is but I, no I really a motion picture it gets a lot of flack and I even think it's one of the weaker ones I think there's much weaker Star Trek movies than than this one ha- has me slightly concerned given you know the, the reputation of it's like okay people didn't like this one what about the ones that people really hate yeah. Admittedly, original cast movies are got a pretty good batting average, I'd say. Okay. There's really only one that's. I know. I know. People always thought you know the rule of thumb is even movies are good, odd numbers not so much, right? That's yeah. The, the, that, that's the the general rule that people kind of bandy around. I don't yeah. know how how true that is. Yeah, three's not too bad though. It's it's five. You need to be afraid of. <laughs> you fear five. <laughs> fear it yeah okay okay we'll um, get there in like a month yeah uh but yeah so no that that's uh the, the motion picture so i guess i'll ask the question uh what what uh what rating are you giving the motion picture i think it it just about scrapes itself an eight yeah yeah eight out of ten i'll, I'll agree with that that is a solid eight out of ten uh i really like it it's good yeah, too. Uh, so no it is a visual and audio feast and a bit late on plot but that's okay it's okay it's a yeah. slow journey it's yeah. a slow journey the mystery um i like it a lot so that is star trek the motion picture next time 
which is hopefully next week. If, if it ends up skipping a week, we apologise, but just the schedule's a bit tight. It's harder to find the movie as compared to an episode of the TV show. But it should be next week. Uh, we'll be doing Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. So that'll be next time on, on this Star Trek already cancelled series. So should be exciting, should be fun, and we'll get there next time. And how, how weird is it to be doing one, you know, a Star Trek episode of already cancelled that's not an episode of the original series? Yeah, it, it's still throwing me. Your intro was particularly weird. Yeah, so how do I introduce this? Because I've got such a set thing that I say. At least when I, we get to the next gen, it'll just be the exact same intros that used to be, just instead of saying, if we're going to talk about Star Trek the original series, it'll be, we're going to talk about Star Trek the next generation. Blah, blah, blah. Which will be weird at first, just because it's different. Yeah. But this one was like, okay, you, you had not a usual flow. You just kind of did a thing. Well, I had to. We've done a movie. I, I know. It's you weird. Have that much choice. It's weird. Uh, but there you go. Uh, so that is Star Trek The Motion Picture. Let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. If you want to support the channel and everything we do here and keep the reviews coming, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV. You get these Star Trek reviews a week early at the $1 tier. You get some other stuff here or there, higher tiers as well. Uh, but all of it helps. All of it supports us. So if you want to have a go look, we appreciate it loads. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. And we will see you next time, guys. Keep watching Star Trek and sci-fi and space things and Klingons and everything nice and sugar and space. I don't know where I'm going with this. Bye, guys. What you need to do mm-hmm. is you need an outro line I need to learn it in Klingon. Piss off! That's not happen. I'll get. I'll. I'll give you live long and prosper if you want that. But I'm not. I'm not doing a Klingon outro. It's worth a try. I'm sorry, guys. I tried. Live long and prosper. Is the thumb out or in? I think it's out, right? I don't think it's out. Thumb. Thumb out. Live long and prosper. Yeah. Out.